Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 411, uh, which is incidentally my mother's height, because she's tiny and Italian and adorable. It's a me, a mamio. Oh, I gotta say that to her next time I talk to her. Uh, my other mom, Matt Myra. No, Matt's not my mom. Matt's. Matt Myra's like, uh, uh, nah, he's like a cousin. Matt Myra's your cousin, and my cousin. So my cousin and I will be coming to perform in Boston this week at the Wilbur Theater, September 27th. Tickets on that are at Nerdist.com slash calendar. And, uh, oh, uh, the final episode of Breaking Bad is coming up on the 29th. Oh, man. Seriously? Yes, seriously. So, uh, final episode. It's going to be 75 minutes long, and then immediately afterwards, there's no low winter sun in between. We're going to do Talking About it immediately afterwards. It's going to be an hour long, and we're doing it from Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is uh, an historic cemetery in Los Angeles where they have a lot of events, but folks are actually buried there, like Johnny Ramone. Uh, it's a really cool place, and Aaron Paul's throwing a big bash for the series finale. So, uh, we're sort of integrating, and we're going to do our talking bad from there. So a lot of cast members are going to be on. Uh, I hear uh, Gus Fring might be uh, making an appearance. And uh, Aaron's doing all this for charity. So if you go to omaze.com, O-M-A-Z-E, um, you can find out info on the charity. And then also figure out, I think there's a contest where he's going to send some Breaking Bad fans to the finale. So we will be there uh, next Sunday. I'd like to thank HostGator for sponsoring this episode of the Nerds Podcast, which is an amazing place to get a website. They offer premium web hosting at low costs. If you can't get a .com, are there even .coms available anymore? I think every every character combination has been soaked up in the .com, so grab a .net. Then you don't have to have a domain that's like 180 characters. HostGator offers 24-7, 365 phone, chat, and email support. They're going to offer you hosting with any size site you want with shared VPS and dedicated servers. And they can now move your site for you if you want to transfer to HostGator. So go to HostGator.com, buy some hosting, get some .NETs, and use the promo code NERDIST to get an extra 30% off and support the Nerdist Podcast. See, I almost said support your favorite show, but I don't know if this is your favorite show. Again, maybe it was the closest one to your hand. This episode is Metallica, and I didn't know what to expect, and they were fucking awesome! We recorded them at Comic-Con, and then we held on to it so that we could uh, post it near the time that their movie, Metallica, Through the Never, comes out. Uh, It's coming out in IMAX on Friday, September 27th, and then in wide release in all theaters on October 4th. Maybe not all, but a lot. Through the Never is... It's sort of like it takes band footage, and then there's a fictionalized storyline featuring 
a guy as a roadie who's uh, charged with a special mission while the band plays. So it is documentary-vic? Docu- a biofic? Hey, biofic. I think I just made that up. But if I didn't, I'm sure you'll tell me, Internet. Um, but Metallica was great. It was James and Kirk, uh, and Lars was not there, which was very <laughs> fortunate because I was really hoping to watch Jonah Ray squirm because he has a Lars Ulrich bit in his stand-up special, <laughs> which aired a few months ago. But alas, no Lars to make Jonah uncomfortable. Uh, and again, fantastic chat with these guys. So much fun to hang out with. So here you go, the Nerds Podcast number 411 with Metallica. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's already started. It's already started. That was it. Okay. Cool. Cool. You, Can I go surf We are that now? good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't say it was the end. I said it was the beginning. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to catch any waves out there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not, not so much. This is not, this is not where, the, where the waves are. The waves are out there. You'll just get hit by a maple. Actually, if you look right out the window, there's a bunch of people. You could crowd surf. <laughs> yeah. But you actually, <laughs> I can, do, I can actually wait later on tonight. Or just get the, find the biggest nerd and then have him jump into the water on the other side of the bank and then catch whatever swells happen because of that. The nerd wave. Yeah. Nerd waves. Listen, that's an album title. If you guys want to use it, it's totally yours. Thank you. We will give you nerd waves. Thank you. I, I'm glad you released that one. <laughs> I was going to steal. I was going to ask him if we we can uh, uh, name the album Gluten Three. Gluten Three. It's actually my new product. Gluten Three. Is this really a gluten free dish? No. It's gluten Three. Three it's times, times the gluten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gluten in pure form, which people could be sludge. I don't know what gluten looks like. That's going to confuse a lot of people <laughs> and make a lot of people very ill. My, my, my wife is gluten-free, gluten <laughs> gluten so I'm always cracking these gluten jokes. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> that, I, that, it could be a love letter to her. <laughs> yeah. Be like, look, Boy, I'm going to eat all the gluten I need that. for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to hear any more puns you got. Very heroic okay. of you. Take all the gluten <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, that could harm her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my, my new product, gluten-free, is like, you know, you would like smear it on sandwiches or put it on potatoes. I love it. It's like like pour it on rice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Stuff just that needs gluten. <laughs> exactly. You know? exactly. Vegetables. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Anything yeah. Too healthy. Fruit. <laughs> yeah. This broccoli's nice, but I want to feel bloated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this, I need this to be itchy. Okay, here you go. This is my marketing wheel. It's good for yeah. surfing, too. You're more buoyant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back, you, know? you, could, you, could, you could smear it on the top of your board, and it'll keep you on the board. <laughs> NFL receivers start putting in other gloves. Yeah. yeah. Are there album titles where you're like, if we just didn't give a shit anymore, just to be silly, we should just name it this? Do you guys have fake joke album titles? We've, well, every yeah, album, yeah, every, every album you start goofing off and then actually there's some reality to them eventually, yeah. even with song titles, you know, you're, you're coming up with song titles that, uh, wherever, wherever it originated from, usually it starts off as the, the city where the riff 
came to mind. You know? <laughs> okay, Casper is the name yeah. of this one. Yeah. Was Casper, Wyoming, or yeah. we had something called Black Squirrel. Why was yeah. it Black Squirrel? Uh, because it was in D.C. Yeah. where yeah. there's black squirrels out in the in yeah. this park. So you just kind of run with it, and yeah. then the song's called Black Squirrel, and. Uh, yeah. You know, black square. <laughs> and then, you know, people attach all this meaning. Yeah. No, man, it's about the tiny darkness that lives in all of our trees. <laughs> I saw a few of them in line, Black Squirrel. Yeah. You know? There's this one song that I knew for a couple years called Skimpy. And whenever I refer to it, I call it Skimpy. I still don't know the real working title. <laughs> That's true. Every time you and Lars say, hey, we should play Skimpy, it's like... Can you guys tell me what song that really is? Because I'm not in on the skimpy, yeah. Ren and skimpy, Here, we'll play whatever. It for you. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, do you, do you ever feel sort of uh, constrained at all by the style of music where you're like, guys, come on, let's just throw some tubas? Like, do you ever think like, oh, just tubas. one day? Hey, bro, tubas can be heavy if you if listen to the right. <laughs> all right, it's the heaviest wind instrument. It just gets it really is. Yeah, yeah it just gets serious for a second. But, but yeah, get, yeah. getting back to the, the song titles and album titles, we have a, 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 a big sheet hanging in our studio where uh, you can just go up there and just like write down, you know, stream of consciousness titles, lyrics, ideas, whatever. And uh, over the course of time, it gets pretty hilarious. <laughs> pretty hilarious. In fact, I think at one point for, the, for Death Magnetic, we were actually thinking about taking pictures of uh, all our, our notes and plastering them somewhere mm-hmm. in, in the album. Just right. for entertainment's sake. <laughs> do guys, do, look, Fart have, monster. What was yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> made in China. That's the new one. Yeah, yeah. made in yeah. China. The best dressed chicken in town. <laughs> oh, yeah. please do it. Please do it. With tubas. Yeah. See, because you, if you did that, people would still find some dark meaning behind it. They'd be like, you'd be like, hey guys, are being funny. Like, yeah, man, the best dressed chicken. That yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Rocks. Yeah. You could exactly. Heaviest thing ever. Heaviest chicken. chicken is so metal. This heaviest. This chicken's so heavy and the best dress <laughs> do you ever feel though sort of uh, constrained I mean at this point after all these years do you sort of feel like well we really kind of got to stick in this this lane I think I think we feed off of that and we always have you yeah. know what's what's the normal what are the rules of heavy metal and let's go break them shall yeah. we yeah. you know let's go somewhere different yeah let's uh, uh, and we well we've always been adventurous you know and explorers uh, you know cut a prime example, cutting our hair. That was, well, I guess yours is long. <laughs> Never mind. It was not <laughs> yeah. How do you unsell out? That's what happened. <laughs> but cutting our hair was one of those out. things yeah. that was like, oh, God, they've lost their minds. They've, yeah. They're out of it. Blah, blah, blah. They whatever. can't play. We yeah. broke the rules of uh, the heavy metal yeah. fashion world. Yeah, that yeah. was always the thing that like, you could tell the difference. It's like if they were a hardcore band or a metal band. Well, the hardcore band has short hair. You know, and the metal right, band right. hair. That's how you right. know. Well, now, you know, none of us have real beards, you know, so we're, we're still not metal. Yeah. We're supposed to I, have a beard now. I'm actually have been trying to grow a beard for the last 20 years. <laughs> You've this is what's come up. Beard growing no, I, contest. I, I, I go. I grow a beard. <laughs> what? Right. I just won. You did? You did. That was real fun. Yeah. You're a hip. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> but it's something as silly as that, like cutting your hair. You know, what, you're not supposed to cut your hair now? I mean, yeah. Uh, just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, putting a, put, I mean, first of all, doing a ballad. All right, they've sold out. Then, oh, you did a video, you sold out. There's, there's always, you know, whenever, whenever you expand your horizon or go outside of the box, it scares people, you know? The, the people that 
kind of depend on you to be their leader of sorts. And when you do something different, ah, wait a minute, you know. And then I think they, they, they either become okay with it and it helps them grow or they just go, screw them, I'm going to this other band, you know. Well, but yeah. it's, people don't like change, but you have to evolve. I mean, like, you, you, you personally sort of have to at some point. You can't just do the same exact... I mean, it's like, how do you right. find that balance between, well, we want to give them enough of, you know, something that they feel comfortable with, but then still be able to evolve at the same time? Well, at the end of the day, it's all about honesty. And if, you, and if, if you're making it for yourself, it's like, it's like, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a role model. You, know? you don't do that. You, yeah. don't, you just do it by living. You just experience... And if you're honest with yourself about it, people will hopefully realize that because you don't you don't fake being a role model, you know, right. or you don't not that we are, but you don't fake being something that's authentic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've always tried to come from a a, a, a place of integrity in in everything we've we've done, no matter how jarring it's been to our fans or how challenging. I mean, it's 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 something that we've actually you know felt from our from our, our gut and from our hearts and from our, our our minds. I mean, and if we feel that that it's the right thing to do, then it is the right thing to do. And if anyone else doesn't like it, you know, they'll have to like find ways to deal with that. I mean, it's yeah, really not their, our problem. Their stuff. Well, we've talked we've talked to a lot of people uh, who have sort of ascended. The, it's like sort of the top of their own food chain, you know, like culturally or, you know, in, in entertainment. And I, I'm always sort of fascinated by this idea that at a certain point, you kind of don't own your stuff anymore. Like the, your fans sort of take ownership over it. And sort of like you said, what do you, how could you do that? Or how could you do this? So, uh, you know, was there ever a point where you grappled with that? Or have, have were you always able to just sort of, you know, like, well, we're going to do this and you guys will just have to be okay with it? Well, it's interesting you, you mentioned that because when we were making our last album, you know, when you make an album, you have a, a, a very intimate relationship with the music. You take it, you know, when it's a, it's very purest form, and you develop it, and it's a, a kind of like an embryonic thing. It just grows and, and until it shapes into something, and then once it's a, finally a song. We we rehearse it, we record it, we live with it, and we we shape it. And then there comes a, a time when you you think, wow, all right, this music is going to be released pretty soon. This music won't be our own personal stuff anymore. It will be, it'll be out there, and it'll, it'll, you know, and the world will own it. Because in essence, you know, music is really really free. You know, in essence, I mean, you can get into the whole intellectual property thing, but that's that's something else. But you know, it's interesting you say that because I really feel that once you release uh, a, a song, it really isn't yours anymore in that that personal way, and it's just it's it's just interesting to to watch how once you let it go, what happens to that? You it's know, like it's raising like, a kid, exactly. Like you know, eighteen, you're like, oh, yeah, goes. and then after it gets out there, you really don't have any control over it anymore. Right. Uh, you, you you know, you can still perform the song, and uh, you know. But you know, once but it's so out can there, anyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. and, and then and then you have and then you know if you if some, ever anyone someone ever confronts you about it, and you you could say, oh, this song is about this, and then the fans will go, no, it's not. Yeah. It's about yeah. this yeah. because they sort of, of attach it is. Yeah. whatever you know. Yeah. Exactly. That's why telling people what the song's about is just no good. You know, <laughs> it's it's 
yeah, it's my opinion, you know. Uh, whatever that means to you is more important. Right. Uh, that's how a song gets connected to people, you know. Uh, if you're too blatant and uh, obvious about stuff, it actually limits, limits your audience. If you give some vagueness and uh, have layers to it, people can apply it to their lives. And just like the, you know, the, the lyric that you thought it was, uh, and then you actually read the lyrics going, oh my God. I was singing it the whole, you know, the wrong <laughs> time, Sometimes the wrong for way the whole time. But you know what? Actually, mine's better. <laughs> Do you have a song that you 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 meant something particular to you when you were writing it, and then the fans have taken it, and it was just meant something completely different to the fans? Like, is there a song that was like, you know, this is actually about my dog, and someone was like, this is about my life. When it was actually about my cat, yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or my friend's dog. Yeah. Way different, man. So you don't. You don't Track. My, friend's dog. <laughs> my friend's dog Sandman is all about him. Yeah. Tell us oh, it's about that. Yeah. It's about my dog coming through the little doggy. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the song is dark, dude. No one can ever know the real me. One is actually about the action figure that I blew up and I lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ode to it, but with real hair. Yeah, that's about Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. That was about my GI Joe with Kung Fu right. grip. Yeah. I, think, I think every song is that. Yeah. Every song is that, and I love that it is. Yeah. That's why I don't want to go into detail what it means to me. It limits. It limits. You know, uh, uh, imagination is is free and amazing, and it helps you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time uh, a friend of mine had a song, an album. I, I like, I loved it, and I told him, I was like, I want to talk to you about the song. It's great. It's about this and this and this and this, right? Just like gave him a whole like right. five minute speech about what it was. He's like, no, no, it's a it's a song about Nancy Reagan and speed. <laughs> so it's not about like us growing up and uh, that was my second uh, guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, Wired resident, I think. Yeah. Was it about Nancy Reagan doing speed, or just Nancy? Like Nancy Reagan was one theme, and then there was a whole speed. It was well. That's the thing. He had this kind of vague interpretation of just like you know, like Reagan politics and Nancy Reagan doing speed. And I, I thought it was just about when we were living in San Pedro on a bunch of different roads. That's such an abstract. Yeah, song. he's a real weirdo. We're all Nancy Reagan at heart. You yes, know? exactly. The exactly. meaning behind it all. On speed. A little just Nancy in a song. No. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a little Nancy Speed in everyone? I, I think, think there so. is. The best kind of speed is Nancy Reagan Speed. <laughs> what? Uh, so, but like to Matt's question, was there a specific one where you're like, oh yeah, they got it all? Like technically, like really, they got it all wrong. What was what was one example? Uh, I don't know. I, I for some reason I can't. Seek and Destroy is actually about building things. No. <laughs> you know, building things so you can destroy them. Or destroying the empty space. Yeah. Destroying the empty space. One of the funniest things, uh, this is a little off track, but oh, we, we, we were doing our earliest shows, and we finally got one of the guys, uh, Xavier Russell from Kerrang! Magazine, which yeah. was like, Journalist. oh, Kerrang! Yeah. You know, of the day. He came out and he reviewed our show. And at the end of the set, where we play Seek and Destroy, he wrote down, and one of their best songs, She Can Destroy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was, was good. A, but maybe it helped get some girls at our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's I don't all, think it did. There's a silver lining. There's a metal that yeah, really right. into women empowerment. You gotta check them out. Yeah. <laughs> they never played that song that I read about. I didn't yeah. hear that anywhere. She can destroy. Come on, female power. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, you guys start the right. I think movement. Pussy Riot are gonna cover that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 they should. I would pay for that. Yeah. What is there any sort of? Did you ever worry about? success in terms of you know I mean like this music is all about like just fucking rebellion and breaking things down and tearing things down and and then but then you become successful and you're you know do you, are you do you worried it's like oh well I'll get comfortable maybe we won't feel that stuff anymore or maybe we won't success is not a cure right you know mm-hmm. it, it's definitely not a cure if you have certain feelings and you use use that as as a source for inspiration um, you know, you over over time, success might might it might change you externally, but internally, you know, if you still have those issues, you're gonna always have those issues. Right. And you know, for me, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I, I, uh, I, you know, I have certain conditions in my life that I think have helped me become the musician and the person I am, and I've learned how to accept that. And success has not cured any of those conditions at all. In fact, it's 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 aided it's aided me, but it's also held me back in certain ways. And so, you know, the, my 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 reply to the, to the the whole you know does success change you? It changes certain things, but you know, if if you your your core per, you know your core personality is your core personality, and that I, I feel if you're using that as a source for inspiration, that core personality never really changes. And so there you go. And depending on what your version of success is, yeah. you know, oh yeah. piles of money, yeah. <laughs> piles of women, okay. you know, piles of piles. money. Piles. It also equals t- piles of taxes. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if mo money. Mo problems. Almost. You should make a song called that. <laughs> yeah. Mo. Pablo Escobar used to spend like five thousand dollars a week on rubber bands to bound the money that he had. Jeez. Oh my god. And they would like they would lose like hundreds of thousands of dollars every month to water damage and rats. All right, rubber band man. It's all about a guy who. Exactly. Do you have that guy's number? Oh yeah, he's dead. Oh that guy. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. My little friend. Yeah. Okay. No, and, and depends. Success can certainly become a jail for you. It can be. It creates new problems. You know. So there's always, like Kirk said, your 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 the things that you have inside you that drive you or keep you back. Just morph into a, a new, a new adventure of problems or success, or or uh, you know, um, I guess realities for you. So there you have it. <laughs> is it, is it weirdly? Is it weirdly? <laughs> Everything's about to. We're all gonna die. Is it weirdly? I, the yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> I watch you see the, see the like the the videos of you playing. I think maybe it was Moscow or something. It looked like there was like a hundred thousand people more. So, one hundred twenty-three thousand two hundred seventy. <laughs> we undersold it. Do you remember the biggest show? I only counted. Billion, <laughs> Thirty-eight seventy billion. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and ninety. Yeah. Okay, okay check it out. Gluten three million people. <laughs> <laughs> it depending on who you ask. We've got reports from two hundred fifty thousand to half a million to a million people. 
All I know was that there were so many people that when I tried to find the end of the, end of the line of people, all I saw was haze on the horizon, Jeez. and there were still people underneath that haze. Oh, it turned wow. into haze. Yeah. They, followed the, they followed the horizon line. Yeah. Those people yeah. evaporated. So we played purple haze. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was, I remember like, seeing footage of those huge shows you guys did, and it was like the times where like, you would have people like, you know, clap along. Uh, it's like, I love seeing the fact that people are clapping at a different pace because the music is taking longer to get to yeah. the people. It's like, that's no place to see a band that far away. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're the 124,000 guy, yeah. and, and how are you just in the back like, yeah. yeah. Hey, when I was 14 years old and I went to my big first rock concert, I was happy to be that 124,000 kid. What was your big first rock concert? I'm not going to tell you. Uh, it's always, uh, well, it's always closer than where you were. I mean, yeah, exactly. if you're never yeah. Been to a exactly. That's closer than I exactly. was. Exactly. I'll tell you, my, my, my it was first Neil one. Diamond, wasn't it? No, my <laughs> very fir- very first concert was uh, uh, Dionne Warwick and Isaac Hayes at the Circle Star Theater in 1975, and Shaft was in order. No way. Uh, my mom took awesome. my sister and I. And I was just blown away by the strobe lights when, when Isaac Hayes came out and I heard Dude, that is killer. That's pretty rad. My second concert my second concert like six years later. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Exactly. Please cover Shaft. Oh thin listen? Please cover your Shaft. All right, Shaft. Let's take it out. That's what we're all talking about here. My first my first concert was you guys. Yeah, my very first concert was you guys in Hawaii. I'm sorry. Oh, it was great. <laughs> I was, uh, I, was uh, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, and I was uh, fucking hey, frightened. Hey, Yeah, bro. Hey. My first concert was going to be you guys <laughs> at Foxborough Stadium uh, and Guns N' Roses. And uh, then uh, my dad wouldn't let me go after the riots happened. Right next to my When you're on stage and there's that many people, do you feel like you're connected to that many people, or do you just sort of feel weirdly isolated because there are so many people? No, it's the... Obviously, we wear different hats, and when you're up there, there's a performer hat that you know amplifies, you know, so the person way back there can actually see you, you know. Uh, and there's well, this first thing they cut the hair, now they're wearing hats. God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty soon, bald, bald wig. Yeah, I'm gonna wear a hard hat. But you know, that's really why. Why you know the giant video screams? <laughs> screams. <laughs> yeah. That's a tale from the crib. Video <laughs> screens came into play, so the hundred and twenty-five thousandth person could actually see you, you know, sweating or spitting on somebody or uh, screwing the lyrics up. You know, <laughs> when you do, when you screw the lyric, if, if you feel like you're going to screw the lyrics up, or if you ever forget something and then you just kind of go, rrr, 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 rrr. oh, totally. Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> Friggin' sound man! Yeah. You know, I throw him under the bus for a while. Sorry, James. Like he totally yeah. takes it because yeah. the mic's not working. That's <laughs> no, you got to be honest. It's like ah, sometimes I'll just sing. I forgot the words. Yeah, you know, and they'll fill in for you. Do you have a prompter? Uh, I have a word wedge. Ah, uh, okay. Very different. It's very different. <laughs> How many? Songs? It's a glorified cheat sheet. Is what yeah. it is. Got the first word of every line because as soon as I know right. the first word, it's like okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I just puke out the rest of it. You know. Awesome. How how many songs have you written? Do you think? Do you even know the number? At no, this point? I don't know the number. It's, Lars will certainly you know, know the it's number. Over a hundred, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain that it's over a hundred. Are there ones that you? 
are there, are there songs that you have now when obviously because you've been doing this for so long that you, you look back and you're like what the fuck were we thinking and like but you still play them anyway because you know like well people want to hear these every song yeah <laughs> every song or yeah. when you go back and you listen to hey we haven't played stuff from this album or you listen to okay we we gotta we gotta relearn this song or or prime examples when we did uh, the 30 year anniversary for Metallica at the Fillmore. Uh, four nights at the Fillmore in San Francisco, which is, is uh, you know, it is a, it's a landmark for us in our lives and obviously the Bay Area. Learning, I mean, we tried to play a different song every, every night there was a different set. So we played pretty much every song we owned and, and you yeah, go back and you awesome. listen to stuff and you go, whoa, <laughs> that's what I did? Yeah. Oh my God. I, you you got to dissect that. I, I got to go on YouTube and learn it. Someone's so, someone can teach me this song. Some seven-year-old kid, gotta dude, teach me. totally. You have no like you. That is the dream of every like you know metal guitar guy who's like, man, I wish I I could teach Metallica how to play there. And now to know that that actually happens, it is true. It yeah. is so true. And when we're on tour, I have to have like uh, 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 songbooks from all all the albums so that I, I can have a quick reference if I need to figure out how to uh, play a guitar solo of a song we haven't played in like 10 years. Because, you know, you don't remember that stuff. You're busy playing other things, and it just kind of like slips away. So I have to have the songbook and like... Oh, that's what I did. Oh, okay. And then, oh, and then, pretty good. And then once you like get yeah. into it, you, it also you start remembering it, and then you say, "Do you like to deviate on your solos?" Do you like I, yeah, I, I improvise all the time. In fact, you know that's the one thing that I have that James doesn't. If I forget a guitar solo, I can just improvise. I mean, yeah. if he forgets a lyric, <laughs> I can improvise. Yeah, you can improvise. Yeah, I, can. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. start singing a solo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do the Prince thing, if you fuck up a, a lick, you just play it again so that everyone thinks yeah. it was intentional. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Your back there are no mistakes. Or just do the James trick. Brown and punch one of your bandmates and go, it was all his fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, have you guys been to Comic-Con before or is this your first? I have. You have? Yeah. How many times have you been? Uh, this is my third time for in San Diego. I've been to New York as well. Yeah, Are you, you but guys- I used to go to comic cons when I was a kid, and bro. <laughs> Being at this comic con just like totally screws my head because I used to go to comic cons when I was a kid in the seventies, all male. Yep. Everyone had glasses. Yep. Everyone was either dressed up as, as a, 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 a a trekkie or you know a, a, a stormtrooper, and you know. Tops maybe four hundred people. You know, by the end of the night, you knew everyone at every table. Now it's become like this huge juggernaut of a thing. There's all these like all these people, all these hipsters, and all these females, and even like cute girls too. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and you know, this? I used to come come to these things thinking, all right. I'm, I'm with my tribe. We're all dorks. <laughs> like, I feel free. Now I come to this again, I'm like, oh my god, I feel like a dork again. Yeah. <laughs> We're all, all the dorks. Cute what girls. happened? What are you doing yeah. here? What happened? Where are, my, where are my people? We've been infiltrated. Make this way is communism. The dorks. Yeah. <laughs> ah, normal people. Ah. Yeah. And so, you know, Comic-Con is, is a bit confusing to me nowadays, but I understand, you know... The whole drive behind it, I won't get into it, but 
you know, so when the, to answer your question, yes, I have been to uh, Comic Con a lot. Where are you guys playing to? You're play, are you playing on the ship? Was there, there was a, Where'd the ship go? Oh, shit. Oh, those two jet skis? You want to pick up the gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I got the I word wedge. You guys were actually bringing it over by a... jet ski. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, watch my guitar. <laughs> Don't get it wet. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. Just holding it up. Remember the chords. Yeah. Some, poor, <laughs> some poor Garoti who's just determined to not get that guitar wet, but he can't. It's just water spraying <laughs> yeah. in his face. Oh, yeah. The jet ski goes down. He's just swimming. Can you just call Kramer and get another one? I couldn't make you guys, he just throws the guitar up and then Did you say Kramer? I'm Jack. Okay, thank yeah, you. No, no, no. ESP. ESP. What, uh, the best I, company in the world. No. Yes, we are playing. <laughs> okay. We are playing. Uh, I think the location was, it was secret until today. Oh, we don't maybe? know. Until right now. <laughs> well, this isn't no, live. No, this isn't live. Oh, okay, Spreckle, yeah, we're playing Spreckles Theater tonight. Spreckles. Okay, yeah. cool. In Spreckleville. Yeah. <laughs> Just outside. Bunker Spreckles. Bunker Spreckles was an a, a, a incredible world-class surfer in the 70s and I think uh, he was part of that Spreckles family oh so there, is a, there is a Spreckelsville in yes. Maui yeah. oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah. You guys know a lot about Hawaii, it I turns out. Yeah. I used Everyone's... to live there. Oh, you used to live there. We'd rather I... be there. Yeah. No. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, come on. I Not actually really. came from, from Hawaii on, on Monday. I'm going back to, on Sunday. Wait, so you, don't li- you were living in Waimanalo? Uh, I, I used to live in Waimanalo. I lived there for eight years, and then I moved back to the Bay Area last summer. Oh, wow. But I'm, sp- I'm spending this summer there right now. The thing about Waimanalo, it's... Not the, the nicest the place. It's beautiful. It's the hood. Yeah, it's real. Uh... There's this, there's this term called chronics, and um, they're basically drug addicts, roving drug addicts that live on the beach and the parking lots, and and you know they're everywhere in that town. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing no one ever realizes about Hawaii is the amount of just fucked up meth heads just roaming yeah, around, smoking ice. It, 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 yeah, Batu. And it, it's interesting because, like, the police will come and, and, and empty out all the parking lots in Waimanalo, and they'll all go to Waianae, and they'll live in <laughs> Waianae for about six months, and then the police will come in and empty out all the parking lots, and they'll go back to Waimanalo. So there's just, like, this migration. The migration? <laughs> yeah. Uh, between the, the ice heads. Yeah. It's time to pack up. We've got to move on. Yeah. Between the west side tonight. and the east side. That's and, the dog the bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> What did no, I he's do? after them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, actually, I actually moved to the North Shore, so no, oh, nice. so I'm on the North Shore now. Papa Lo Road, you know where that yeah, is? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, so Look at where you're at. What's the number on that one? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 73. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll just call you. It's yeah, yeah, uh, 808. 5552. Fuck you. You'll see him across the lines. Yeah, that's a good surf spot. That's a great surf spot. Except that you have to paddle out pretty far. Listen, you can paddle. Look at him. Yeah, I'm a, paddle, I'm a paddling yeah. machine. <laughs> my friend, uh, people my friend to do that for him. <laughs> I actually this, had you know, paddle. his version of success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a paddle driver, assistant paddler. <laughs> I have a chauffeur. Got <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, a guy in a surfboard suit that just arms the valet for my board. Reading, reading Billboard magazine. Yeah, it's not Mr. Burns, sir. Can't believe this magazine still exists. Yeah, exactly. After each, after each time you guys finish an album or you finish a tour or whatever do you, do you kind of go I don't think we're going to be able to do this anymore and then you get a little bit of rest and you go ah fuck it let's do it again uh, that happens to me like <laughs> weekly <laughs> every day after every show yeah. <laughs> now yeah oh my god I'm beat up I need a day off then the next day alright back back on it well, 
you know, when Rob joined the band, he, he brought something up to me that I had never really thought about before. He said, playing your music is very physical. And I thought about it and I thought, well, yeah, it is very phys physical. I mean, we're not like sitting there strumming like three three chords. I mean, we're we're playing music that... that, that it's four. <laughs> we're playing music that's, that's physically demanding of, you know... But he was in Suicidal Tennessee's. Exactly. That's pretty physical. Exactly, but, you know... Yeah, so for him to say that... Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it... it Whenever we play after a show, I'm beat up. My 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 arms are sore, my wrists are sore, my shoulder is sore, my neck is sore. Sore, I can't even speak. Are you in Hawaii on the shore? <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're at. Yeah. yeah. And if you try playing Metallica songs uh, like a normal in a normal guitar position, your forearm will fucking burn. Which is why I figured it out. I dropped the strap and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because you're left-handed? Yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah. yeah. It definitely <laughs> makes sense if you wear your guitar lower. Yeah. Because then, 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 uh, then you, you have uh, a freer movement on, on your arms. But, it, you know, playing this music, it beats you up after a while. When we're on tour, it, it, you know, a lot of the, the, the uh, physical problems start to uh, uh, compound. And so we, uh, we bring people out or whose job it is is to just look at, look after the the physical aspect of of, of yes you know, maintenance maintenance you got to you know if yeah. you're if you're that kind of engine you need a certain kind of maintenance yeah. and that's the reality of it yeah. you know going on to into our 60s and 70s you know like the rolling stones who knows you know <laughs> if they tried to play a metallica song how tough would it be and you know in whatever 30 years or 20 years from now, us trying to play a whatever next generation is that, I mean, I hear some music that blows my mind. Yeah. Like, there's no way that's physical music, you know, you know, yeah. extremely progressive and intense, nonstop. It's like, how do you even remember that song? <laughs> how, how do you? It seems so, like random notes. There's always another level, you know, when we sit and complain, it's like, all right. At least I'm not doing that. <laughs> In a van. Yeah. Down by the river. <laughs> how do you keep, how do you not blow your voice out? How do you? How what? Do you, yeah, <laughs> I just did. Um, uh, down by the river. Um, how do I not? Uh, Vocal exercises, right? Yeah, there's some of that, and I go through phases like. All right. It depends on the tour. If you're going a long time, well, a long time for us is two weeks now. <laughs> and that's my version of success. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can choose when you have to work, and, and then you can go full throttle for two weeks, take some time off. That works for us. Um, so, yeah, depending on how long, there's, there's maintenance, different maintenance, you know. Like, Did it get easier uh, to, like, recover your voice after uh, you stopped drinking? Or was there, like, no difference? Well, I think when I was drinking, I didn't care. Either way. Yeah. So, well, my voice is fucked up. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And, and I drink some more. This helps yeah. it. You know, and blah. And it was a complete denial of reality, you know. Uh, it was a certain style. So my voice did change, I think, over over the course of your life, or my life. Um, uh, I, I remember the Black Album Tour. Uh, Black Album Tour lasted three years uh, with little breaks here and there. But going three years, and, and actually at that point, there were some times where it was a night with Metallica. You know, no support act, 
no anything oh, us for shit. three hours yeah. that was a long what time. punishment yeah. <laughs> for the audience uh, and, and and it wasn't just songs too there was like an uh, open guitar solo is a, a, a drum duel <laughs> there's yes. a, a long sing-along I mean yeah. it, it was a lot of was it stuff. Lars versus yeah. himself in the drum duel no versus <laughs> yeah. him oh, yeah. 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 yeah they had a drum off yeah and then there was a uh, yeah there was a, a, a you know a a dinner break uh, on stage yes. where we served food. There was, uh, yeah, there was like uh, time out. There was alone time for a little bit on stage. Uh, no. Okay, awesome uh, idea for the fans. Terrible idea for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure you want. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you want to do as much as you can for the fans. But at the end of the day, you're human beings with you know with limitations. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for reminding yeah. me that. Yeah. <laughs> I need that reminder. Uh, yeah. So well, yeah. But the black album like just got so big, like very was, true, very true. It yeah. was this, this planets aligned. It was the time. It was, uh, uh, it, it was a great uh, connection for us anywhere in the world. The black album. You know, I remember our manager coming out on the road saying, "Okay, I know you've been out for two and a half years, but the fifth single." is giant <laughs> yeah. in Indonesia right now. We have to go, you know. Yeah. And every time he'd come out, I'd be going, oh, no, I can't, no. Uh, and as the singer, it was, it seemed like an extra burden I was carrying. And no one wanted to hear my plight whatsoever. <laughs> like, come on, dude. We got to keep going. And, yeah. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we're successful. Yay, this good. is so fun. <laughs> Think of all the piles of money and all the rubber bands. All the rubber bands. We'll have to buy. <laughs> is, there, is there ever, oh, you go ahead. Go oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, like, also in regards to the Black Album, that, like, it was also so lucky that you had somebody just happening to film the making of the album and then the tour. It was like that just, man right yes, there. Yes, it was that guy right over there. The director of yeah, Fight for Your Right to Party. Yeah. Do you ever spin Adam the camera Jimmy. around on yourself, sir? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> took it away from me. You had to take it away from me. What's it rated? No. <laughs> you got to spin it around sometimes and just give a little selfie and give, give people that. You've got to cut that out. Yeah, you can't keep that But that, good, though. that must have been pretty crazy, though, just because did it, did it feel like this album was going to be bigger than the rest, or did it just feel... Like it's like oh it's just a follow up to Injustice for All it's just like we're just we're a working band we're doing another album hmm. and then it became like a pop sensation <clears throat> you know I was pop sensation, <laughs> pop sensation. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty blown you away. guys Ouch, Bieber dude. and like yeah. oh no well you know what I mean like it was, it was well, huge for a we, 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 we knew something was up when uh, we uh, we got uh, the initial sh- uh, sh- uh, numbers on, on, on how many albums uh, we shipped. Or no, how many albums we sold in the first week? And we sold something crazy like six hundred thousand albums in the first week, and we had never done that. And that kind of made me think, wow, that's quite a quite a a, a way to start off an album. Yeah, <laughs> quite a bang, and it just grew from there. And yeah. we just kept on adding shows and more shows and more shows and more shows and. After a while, we kind of got the idea that uh, this isn't this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But you know, we we buckled down and we we did what we felt we we needed to do. And you know, do you the awareness was, was already happening. Yeah. So even if that album was complete crap, 
it probably would have sold a bunch just as you know the rise was happening. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, but the fact yeah, that it was, but it would have tapered off. Yeah, but was it yeah. because of one like because you had a video and it was out there and that like everyone like people that might have not come across a band like yours saw that and then it was just the next thing to come right. out. So. Yeah, after Justice for All, the the video thing. Yeah, started. I had the VHS of uh, two of one. Two of one. What yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. a VHS. It was like it was, it was like it was fifteen Lawrence bucks. It was two videos. Lars and Hotel were explaining the videos, and I was <laughs> just like, "Oh, this is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> you bought a video. <laughs> yeah, that's been my kids. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> How did uh, uh, just you guys really sort of? Um, uh, you, you guys at MTV really helped propel a lot of the the stuff that was happening at that time. Music video, but now it sort of feels like the music video, it's not dead per se. I mean, obviously people put videos on YouTube, but is your approach to videos now, uh, do you think of it differently? I mean, before I'm sure it was like, yeah. you got to make a video, we got to get into heavy rotation. Yeah, they're, they're not as, as integral now to, to a person's career as they were. I mean... 15 years ago, you had to make a video, and it was like a do-or-die thing. If you, if you had any hope for, for getting any sort of exposure, you had to, to do a video. And this is before you know, YouTube and all those uh, different outlets were even around. But nowadays, you have so many outlets through the Internet. I mean, you can make your, your own video on your iPhone and put it up on iTube, on, iTube, on YouTube, and you know, who knows? You might get a million hits. I mean, U-Tunes? YouTube. Yeah, iTunes. iTunes. iTunes and U-Tunes. Yeah. We all speak for it. And Looney Tunes, hey, I prefer. It's, all, it's all, all, all the same on the interweb. It is, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was just cutting edge at the time. And there you go. It was a promotional tool. And now... Now you're doing you, if you don't have Facebook, you know you're stupid. Something like that. But it's yeah. like you say that the stars, the stars aligned. It's just like you were in the, you know, you were in the right place. You had the right album. You guys were in the right stage of your the career. Timing. The right, you had the right delivery mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, grunge was on its way up. Hair metal was on its way out, which really like cleared the playing field for us. Yeah. Because we were neither, and so we were kind of like you know. Alone, standing in our own genre, practically, and and so yeah, I mean, it was, what did it you was, think of hair metal when that was started to happen at the time? You're like, there's this weird oh. other glammy movement that's it's, happening. It was a constant source of entertainment for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of why you left like, LA? Is because hair absolutely. metal was it over? was a fuel for us. Yeah. It was a, a hate, well, a hatred fuel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was an energy <laughs> nonetheless. But I'm sure also motivating in the sense that you. I would guess that you probably strove harder to show people like we're not that. It, 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 absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We 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 didn't go out of our way, but we 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 made it clear that we were not that. We were not that in look, in sound, in attitude. Would you just watch what they were wearing and go, "We're just going up in t-shirts oh, and fucking jeans"? Like I well. said, it was a constant source of entertainment. You know, <laughs> these. these uh, and, and there was a, a time when when hair metal was so androgynous, it was only a matter of time before, before people, the guys were wearing dresses. But then the grunge movement came, and all those guys were wearing dresses. So I thought, oh, <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> well, it's not like there weren't pictures of us in spandex, all right? Yeah, you know, yeah. we had our moments, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But that was that was pre-stretch black stretch yeah, pants. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to set the record straight. Now. Absolutely. Yeah. I like you know, the confession. Lars well, actually, I remember we had this argument about Lars. Why are you still wearing spandex? And he's like, they're not spandex. They're 
latex. Or I don't know what they were. It's like black stretchy material. Yeah, like spandex. So that was the tag inside. You know, you know, what is this made of? It's like it's these are not spandex. Not spandex. Like it's just black stretchy material. Like spandex, but not. But not spandex. It's better. Come on, man. Better, different, better. It's not spandex, man. He's just just clutching a pile of them. But you know, hair metal served its purpose, and it and it gave us a lot of you know. It wasn't music we liked. I grew up in L.A., and it wasn't what I liked. Yeah. Um, but that's all there was. So it helped us want to create what we liked, and then we continued with that thought. And you know, MTV was was also the enemy for quite a while. It's like you turn on MTV and you're like, oh my god, please, please, I want to see Iron Maiden, yeah. you know, yeah. or Jesus and, Priest. Oh, you know, it's like. You come over to, I remember going over to Dave Mustaine's house, it's like walking in, it's like, dude, you just missed it. He's like, what? Oh. <laughs> you know? Uh, shit, we gotta wait right another here. three days. You know, now yeah. we gotta sit through Asia. And then eventually uh, we had uh, Headbangers uh, Ball. We had Headbangers yeah. Ball, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ricky. Well, that was way before that, even. But, you know? but before we got Headbangers Ball, it got really thick with all sorts of hair metal bands, and it drove me crazy. And you're right, you'd have to, like, watch three hours of hair metal bands just to get, like, Judas or Iron Maiden run to the hills. That's a phenomenon you know? that I completely forgot about waiting for that video to come yeah. on. Yeah. You would have to sit there and watch. It'd be nonstop. Oh, like and, and like you said, if you missed and it, that was it. And you would just get pummeled it. with yeah. like advertising <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, and other bands. And, and I think that was part of their strategy, I, I have a feeling. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not anymore, because yeah. people yeah. can get whatever they want yeah, whenever they want it. It's a culture of now convenience. Now they're 16 and... <laughs> Growing yep. up, growing up in yeah. LA, oh, <laughs> growing up in LA, what kind of like, uh, what scene did you get into when you started getting into music? Was like, uh, like, you know, were you going to like, you know, metal shows right off the bat, or like punk shows and stuff like that? Oh, I don't know. The scene for me was kind of any anything my brother had in his collection. You know, <laughs> I had an older brother who's uh, a half brother, ten years older than me, so he was in a band. He played drums, and you know, there was there was his record collection. But uh, out of all the stuff, all of the Beatles, Jethro Tulls, the, the, uh, and a lot of the hippie stuff, Jimi Hendrix and Jefferson Airplane, there was the Black Sabbath that I put it on and that was it. Yeah. I loved that. And so from there, it kind of set a tone for me. And I was look, searching for anything that had uh, something darker or heavier and, uh, you know, continued searching for that. There was a time where it was all about punk rock, you know, Sex Pistols, Ramones, and, and all of that. Um, but I was the kid in high school that was walking around with a Scorpions t-shirt with the punk rock glasses on, you know? <laughs> and everyone's going, uh, take those glasses off, or why are you wearing that shirt, you know? I'm like... Uh, I'm in like the void, yeah. <laughs> in between clicks, man. Yeah. You know, well, I, I remember when uh, I think it was one, one of the Garage Days reissues. Like uh, it, was, it was how I got into the Misfits. It's like you covered a Misfits song, and I was like, oh, it's a. And then going back, and that's always awesome. my favorite thing about music is like reading, you know, reading an interview or seeing like uh, a band that like they're wearing a shirt or they're like talk, they mention a band, and you go and check out that band because if this band I like likes them, that band, mm-hmm. and so that was a. That was always really cool that, like, like you know, you guys did that because it kind of just, it's like, you know, we like these guys and people should check them out, but here's a way of doing it, just doing a cover. Yeah, it was paying homage to where we were at the time as well, yeah. you know, and here's our influences. If you like us, you might like them. What was it for you, Kirk? Like, what was it when you were a kid that... 
Well, you know, I, I, I had a kind of uh, a similar situation to James. I had an older brother who had a record collection, and uh, I was just, like, I was just so enamored with his record collection, and I, it was the first music I, I started listening to. And I got into stuff like Hendrix and, yeah. and uh, you know, eventually Purple and Black Sabbath. And, and then um, when I, I started playing guitar, I, uh, I discovered stuff, uh, you know, the more European stuff, starting with like Thin Lizzy, and then I discovered UFO. And in, in my high school, everyone either listened to Journey or in Van Halen or to like, you know, <laughs> Brothers Johnson or whatever. There was no in-between except for me and like maybe two other people who were listening to UFO and Scorpions and Thin Lizzy. And then I, you know, I would slowly, I would, I would meet people mm. just in the Bay Area who, who uh, you know, usually at record stores who were into the same thing. And I, I was, you know, I started hanging out with these people, and then this group of people started to grow and grow. And I told them I had this band called Exodus, and we're looking for a singer. And uh, and, and I, I, I found Exodus's singer Paul Bailoff at a party, and I hired him on the spot because he knew the lyrics to a UFO song. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, he didn't even, I, he didn't even like ask him to sing for me. I just said, "You're our vocalist. You're in the band." <laughs> And uh, you don't and need it, a word wing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna save us loads of money. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hundred grand for that yeah, word wing. Exactly. Exactly. And you know this. The, you know the group of people grew into a, a, a scene, and you know we started meeting more bands, and then we started coalescing around this tiny club called the Old Waldorf, and then that's how you know the San Francisco thrash metal scene pretty much started. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, it was just a, 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 a bunch of uh, people in the Bay Area, not very many, who were, who were clued into this type of music that was coming out of, of, of Britain and Europe. And we found each other, and we, we, we created a, a little scene, and it grew, and nowadays it's what it is. But um, that's basically, you know, wow. how I, I, wow. I got into the scene that I got into in San Francisco. I mean, we all co coalesced around this love for for a new wave of British heavy metal and, and you know harder rock uh, stuff like you know Thin Lizzy and and you know, Aerosmith and it was different from the the, the group of people who were, who were into stuff like Van Halen and you know Journey and do you remember which record store it was and is it still there? Uh, well, it started it started at the record exchange in Walnut Creek, which is where I used to go to, yeah. which I later found out Lars used to go to a lot around uh, that same oh, time. Yeah, and um, and and also the record vault in San the Francisco. Vault. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the galvanizing uh, place. That that that's where everyone who who uh, uh, who went to the the nightclubs at night. Went to the record vault during the day, <laughs> and you know we go to the record vault during the day and see all the same faces that you would see at you know this one metal club at night, and it just grew from there. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer that there's no, I mean, like the idea of real world locations, just sort of the the, the sort of preciousness of like, oh, there's a this is a community. But it's a real community because they have to go make an effort to meet somewhere yeah, and exactly. gather on a thing rather than just like, eh, I'll just uh, sign on. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, I, I really it's it's kind of I feel like that it's unfortunate that we have lost that. Like we've like, lost so much, man, in, in the name of, uh, of convenience, of convenience. And, and it's, you know, technology. I'm hoping that it will come back. 
I think, I mean, in my, my reality, there's a, you're going global and everything, but local has its charm. Local, whatever, you know, farmer's markets, food, you know, buy locally, all of that stuff is coming back for, yeah. for food. I think it might come back for, you know, people meeting groups and yeah. stuff like that, Could like be, you're talking arts, about, you know? Yeah, I, I feel think like it's, it's still there. Ex- it goes, I feel like it expands out, and then it, before it's just, it's got to collapse on itself, and then it just comes back in a little bit. I think well, that stuff it, is always it, there. The important mm-hmm. thing is that it, it needs to be a, 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 a taught to newer generations because it's not a natural thing for them. And, you know, they need to be shown that, you know, it's, there's life beyond a, a keyboard and a monitor when it comes to meeting people and, like, actually, like, fostering, you know, a community. I mean, there's... Yeah. Yeah. I see kids it, now, they take guitar lessons online with, like, over Skype. I can't imagine. Oh, really? I can't imagine. There's some bands that'll go online when they forget their lyrics or whatever and watch people sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That's crazy. Who would That's do that? Happened. I forgot the guitar part. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, Frank in Kansas City. He knows. Yeah. Right. Shit, Frank's good. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's actually better. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> if you burn your arm Frank's again, you just call Frank up. Yeah. Well, there, are some, there, are some, there are some people who essentially just devoted their lives to just learning your stuff and so mm-hmm. they get so granular with it in a way that you know you you can't anymore because you're off doing other things like i remember i saw um uh, maybe it was like six or seven years ago i saw david lee roth perform with a van halen cover band oh at God. bumbershoot oh, and it God. was fucking awesome <laughs> because the band had basically they just nailed all the yeah, van halen yeah. stuff and then you had dave in the, and he had like the I guess it was a wig I don't know but he he was Diamond Dave like yellow fucking spandex no shit the hair doing kicks and shit and oh, then they wow. were playing Van Halen and I was like it's a fucking Van Halen like it's so David Lee Roth dressed up as David Lee Roth yeah from the eighties yeah and got up with the cover band was tits on yeah because they that's all they focus on that's right. That's like seeing them again. It really yeah. was. <laughs> How awesome. <laughs> it really was. What's the difference between that and Guns N' Roses now? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you know? Know? Really, a, Axel, a bucket head. really. A bucket head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How have you guys managed it? I mean, it's, it, it's hard to keep any sort of group together for around any purpose. I mean, you, uh, people are going to grow. They're going to evolve in different areas. So how, do, how have you guys managed to do it? How have you guys managed to sort of... How have you dealt with Lars? <laughs> you know, look, I didn't want to. You know, let's just. I'm just I, I'm you like, are you know, you're spot on. <laughs> you know my thing. But if he was here, you how do you deal with James, right? <laughs> exactly. I have a very positive outlook toward people in general, and I have a very positive outlook with people I have relationships with, and that's that's uh, that pretty much guides mm-hmm. my whole life. And you know, I you know playing with these guys. Is, is such a great thing for me and it's such a great thing I hope for them and I know it's such a great thing for people out there I hope that you know I don't want to you know I don't want to uh, I don't want to stop that I don't want to end that because I'm so happy being in where I am right now in this band and I hope everyone else in the band feels the way that I do and sorry, bro. Sorry, yeah. I was just playing my violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I love about uh, some kind of monster. And, uh, you know, tensions are tight, and then you're just like, I'm just gonna go surf. I just need to just go <laughs> surf. Yeah. Everyone has a, their different processes. Yeah. I remember seeing that and going like, what a shaman. <laughs> it's like any relationship, as simple as that. You know, uh, being married, 
it's not easy. It's hard. And you can easily start bickering, point out all the negative aspects of someone and how it bugs you and blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, bands do that. And they, you know, but there's an imbalance. You know, there's uh, whatever, ego, egomaniac with an insecurity complex. You know, exactly that. Uh, if you don't focus on the good stuff and care for that, all the negativity comes in. I mean, Kirk is really good, like you said, about the positiveness of it all. Uh, I can find <laughs> find the negative in pretty much anything, and and try to fix it uh, or, or make it better or something. You know, the perfectionist in me. And Lars is the brain. I mean, he can analyze and and, and he can figure anything out. Uh, and and Robert is the loose, cool guy, but he's the warrior. He's the, let's fucking do it, you know, <laughs> step up, you know. Each one of us has an important role in this band, and we can't forget that. All of us need to realize that, and together, we're one mega person, you know. <laughs> we're one. We're like we're one. mega we're like, we're, like, yeah. <laughs> we're like Godzilla. Like um, Godzilla. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, it... it at, at the end of the day, it is all about just the balance that you have in the band and in, in the cards you're dealt with. You know, some people are are are, are, are in bands with, with with people whose personalities are just like hard to deal with or explosive or whatever. And you know, some people can can compensate for that in their own band. Some people can't. So I mean, I personally, I think it all comes down to the cards you're dealt, and you know. If you can keep your band together with the personalities and the chemistry that that you're given, you know, great. If you can't, you know, totally understandable. Well, I wonder if that that sort of that idea of perfectionism is almost detrimental in some ways because you're always looking for the crack in something, which means you might be creating it so that you can fix it. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a never ending gig. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing the world is insane. You know, it's insane thinking. You know. You thought the Black Album tour was long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, that was uh, insane thinking right there. Yeah, there's that saying, you know, why carpet the world, wear slippers. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I have to remember that every day. Uh, but yeah, you know, a curse and a gift at the same time. It's driven driven me to get where I have been or, or, or am, and but it's also, it can be destructive, you know, in my personal family, in the band, and things like that, it's uh, you know too much uh, negativity is, is not good. So, being balanced, these these guys help me stay balanced. Yeah. So the um, the do you want to talk a little bit about through the never? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> the song. Oh, the movie thing. Yeah. Is that what we're here? Yeah. Three D guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, the movie thing. We wanted it in V D. What? <laughs> it would have been like the uh, Ride the Lightning tour. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Black album all over yeah. again. Yeah, you guys really wanted a best of. Here you go. I remember. What happened on the tour? I remember I used to have to occasionally drive uh, certain band members to the clinic. <laughs> Back wait, in the wait, day. Because, like, you know, I was one of the only ones that had a car. Know, Back in the day. You don't have to. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have a car. I used to borrow my mom's car. That's and adorable slash. And I, I, would, I would have to say to my mom, Mom, I have to borrow the car. She said, why? And I, I couldn't say, oh, I, had to, I had to drive. 
blank to the clinic. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I, I would just say, "Oh, we're gonna go get, go to the movies." <laughs> She's like, "Okay." You see a lot of movies. Yeah, I'm a film fan. Yeah, I'm a yeah, film it was, fan. yeah, it was a crazy weekend. Yeah. <laughs> hey, blank. You ready? Let's yeah. Go. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's there, there's there's there, there's some accuracy there when you said VD and right the light. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Kirk's mom. By yeah. the way. Yeah. Finally. Give her the shout Finally, out. Finally, yeah. She gets a shout out. So, so when, whose idea was it? Let's do a movie, let's do a fucking 3D and IMAX. You know, well, the, 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 the idea to do an IMAX movie has been around for a while, for at least 10 years. I mean, I can remember we tried to get an IMAX movie off the ground around then, but for, for some reason or another, it, it just didn't happen. So that idea was kind of percolating in the back of, of our heads until our manager brought the idea up again in, uh, about three years ago. But then you know, it was not just an IMAX movie, but it was IMAX in 3D with this gigantic stage uh, that he uh, had a vision for and uh, you know we were kind of into it we were kind of tentative and and, and so uh, w one day we had a, a band meeting I think it was in Ireland and they had already had all these renderings of the stage in, in 3d on computer and they're you know basically showing that to try you know to sell us on the idea and once we saw the renderings and all the like the rough ideas for for um, what they had for the stage, I think we 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 were sold by that that point. But you were like, oh, you already put so much work into it. I guess. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 spent some of this money. So I'll mortgage my house here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. My family's happy with but, peanut butter and jelly. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as far as like you know the narrative, I don't know where that that <laughs> I do. idea came I, from. I totally know. Uh, uh, my my reality of it is similar to Kirk's, as in it's been a long-standing idea to do a uh, uh, a movie in a theater, which yeah. would be great. You know, besides some kind of monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. accidental. That's movie. not a movie. That's a documentary. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> docudrama. Yeah, but the uh, the idea of of uh, the best of uh, the best of show. You know, the crosses from Master of Puppets, the Dor Doris crumbling, the Lady Justice from Justice, oh, and awesome. all the stuff that people missed, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and for the new fans. Uh, so, doing a best of was an idea, and here, that ties in with our movie idea and 3D movie. So, when they started pitching us with the stage and everything you're talking about, and telling, you know, how much that cost, and... Okay. Uh, yeah, but we can use it on tour for the next five years. You know, we'll make our money back on it. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, that was around the time when, you know, the the Rolling Stones 3D movie, uh, the U2, U2 yeah. uh, movie was out there, and going to see those, going, oh my god. We can't do this. <laughs> How many times can you swing the mic? In front of oh, he's going to hit me in the face. Yeah. Maybe I'll sing. You know, oh, corny, man. I mean, okay, there's a short life to that. It's cool, but there's a short life. We got it. I mean, if we're going to do a movie, let's do something really cool and different. You know, let's, you know, I started thinking of like the Beatles and Help or mm. even the Monkees, you know, yeah. like they're goofing off. They're, there's a story. There's something else happening. And oh, yeah, song remains the same. 
Yeah, it's a little too trippy. The Wall, all of these other movies that had legs that 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 made a statement. So we gotta have a we gotta have a narrative. We gotta have something. There's a story, and then the ideas just started flowing. Like, wait, there's got to be cartoon. You know, we got to turn into cartoons. We gotta blah blah blah. We gotta animate yeah. it. We gotta Cthulhu three, comes you know, out the audience. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you know. CGI, this yeah. and that. Then all of a sudden, you get to become like Ooh. teenagers in a band. Like, then we'll do Oh, totally. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And it then we like, woke up. Yeah. <laughs> no one was saying no. You yeah. can't say no. Yeah. And then you get the bill and you go, holy shit. A billion yeah. dollars? Yeah. yeah. We spent a really? billion dollars. That's a lot of rubber bands, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like building your dream house. You know, you, the architect's going, sure, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do that. No and problem. oh, bowling alley, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then reality brings you back down. Okay, so, but you have to go big so you can concentrate again, you know. So all the best ideas that happen start to boil down into a concentrated, you know, real dense, uh, good idea. So from there we went and then uh, started, you know, getting... Treatments, getting yeah. treatments, getting the producer, getting the director, yeah. and things like that. So the idea had been around for a while, but had morphed into something completely different. And yeah, um, it was really interesting because when we put the word out there that we we're looking for directors and 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 wanted to see some treatments, we got like four treatments that the management thought that we should look at. Three of them were sci-fi themed, and then Whoa. there was Nimrods. And 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 the, the sci-fi thing. I mean, it was obvious with every single one that th these were ideas that had been in, in these guys' back pockets, just waiting, yeah. just waiting to like th throw it on the table, you know, to get made. Nimrod seemed like his ideas started from the ground up. I mean, he actually it seemed like he actually thought about Metallica and thought about how. Uh, what sort of cinematic storyline would fit in with our music? It seemed like that, and and and, and his treatment was very malleable. I mean, we, it had a lot of room for like uh, changing it and, and steering it in the direction that we felt we needed to to do uh, to steer it in. And so, I mean, that's pretty much how we ended up working with Nimrod. Is that his treatment just? felt good and it felt like it was the best match for Metallica yeah. other than some weird out, outer space thing you know with like you know post apocalyptic planet and us playing in the middle of some like then you're making some like you're making like head like the monkeys like oh, this yeah, sort yeah. of like really weird what the fuck just happened yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Flaming yeah. Lips movie. Yeah. yeah or like who knows it could have been Waterworld the heavy metal version of Waterworld that doesn't sound so you know? bad at all well, <laughs> not bad <laughs> still be running at Universal <laughs> Studios yeah. a water boy yeah, yeah. Water boy. even better yeah, yeah. yeah. Adam Sandler that would pay the way for the Metallica Stunt Spectacular yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Universal Plus, Orlando. I mean, we, yeah, the name Nimrod, you got to sign him up. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Exactly. <laughs> that was the first thing my kids asked him. Is that your real name? <laughs> that's that's that poor guy's the bait of his existence. Awesome. Yes. Everyone asks me. Yeah. Do you actually call him Nimrod? I say, no, I call him Nim. You can change yeah. it. He can change it. I call him Rod. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, we're about at the end of our. No. With you. I know you wanted to keep going. <laughs> I know. This was really fun though, and and I it seems like you guys are you're comedy guys like you you like 
comedy. We like to laugh, yeah. I mean, but you, but <laughs> you actually do we stuff with Brendan Yeah, you do stuff with Brendan Small. That's why we're in yeah. Comic yeah. Con, right? It's, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's not that comics. kind of comics. No. <laughs> it's not that kind of comics. <laughs> hey, Brian Posehn's coming later on. Right. Brian Posehn! <laughs> what are you guys doing? That's <laughs> Star Wars! <laughs> Look at the girls! <laughs> he loves Hawaii, by the way. He's always coming out. Yeah, no, yeah. Every, he goes, every time he, like, he's in Hawaii, that's when I get a text from him. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe you grew up here. Yeah, he what do you call them? Beach monkey? No, sand monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he calls the locals sand monkeys. Nice. <laughs> they love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. because you know they 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 call people Howleys, and uh, Brian's like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna call you sand monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I love howling. Yeah. Shaloma. Shaloma. Instead of Aloha, Shaloma. Well, this was, uh, it, it, was so, it was so tempting. I think Joan was a little bit nervous because he has a bit about Lars and his stand-up. <laughs> I, I, had a weird, I had a weird, a weird Lars interaction once a long time ago at a party. And he just had a comedy special. We all have. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, you can talk. It's a safe I, I place had, to I talk had about it. Okay. <laughs> when like Metallica came up on the counter, I was like, "Holy shit, this is oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I don't think I can go." Uh, and it was like, "It's going to be Kirk and James." Yeah. He was like, "Fuck yeah!" yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he, he. I'm sure he didn't see my half hour special. I'm sure he doesn't, you know, traverse the, uh, you know, oh, Comedy yes, Central. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> no, he loves uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. He probably knows all about it. Yeah, but it was a. Uh, you know yeah. He's he's. We've all taken shots, all right. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, where there's some bulletproof to us, but you know, it's it's out of it's out of him being a character, all right. Yeah, he's yeah. an easy so, target. He is an easy target, but he's he's an amazing guy. Yeah, and yeah, we all I mean, know that. It was a lot of fun hanging out. He was, you know. He, uh, he was telling me a lot of stories about uh, seeing Sam Kennison in San Francisco when he was younger. And, uh, sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sand. It's sand. It's sand. Throw a candy bar at him. <laughs> yeah, the film crew couldn't give oh, this the kid a sandwich. The mommy's pussy. I mean, the mommy's pussy. Fuck, that was so hilarious. Oh, man. You better end this. Yeah. But that Sam in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. We uh, we would all go together. Oh, uh, he was our hero. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then he became like he's recorded songs. Yeah. Yeah, and he became he a rock star. Wild sure. thing or something. Then yeah. Oh, with what's her name? Oh. Yeah. Was Tony Kazan? Was it Tony? It was like no, some the Jim Baker chick. Remember? Oh, there was a couple of women in his life that were pretty destructive. Yeah, <laughs> Serena, the porn star. It's like you Angie Everhart or someone like. No, that? it was no. Uh, she used to call him a Stern all the time, and I can't remember her name. Yeah, it was the one that went extremely yeah. psycho on him. It's a yeah. it's a question for the internet. Yeah. Oh. Ask Mr. Gulgal. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Second, right. was your name? Second. Yeah. Enjoy so, your burrito. So you lived in Kailua? <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was uh, born yeah, in Kailua. The and, uh, end. Now we turn it over to Hawaii talk. I moved out of <laughs> with like, Kirk my and Jonah. Place. I lived in Kamaki for a little bit. <laughs> really, in this, not uh, a great sand. Place. Really, <laughs> sand. Hawaii is full of sand. But it was like so close to UH that I used to just go and ride my bike. Me and my brother used to go to a, we went to show in St. Louis. You guys can fucking stop. What the fuck's fuck fuck so fucking funny? We're talking about Hawaii. This is the epilogue, the podcast yeah. epilogue. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Yeah. 
once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.